What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Chapter 164 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the Double Q Conference Weekend Episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. One weekend, two QAnon conferences. This episode were pulled between Salt Lake City, Utah, and Las Vegas, Nevada, in an effort to cover a torrent of conspiracy grifters, including the best Jim Caviezel speech of all time, two JFK Jr. impersonators, Ron Watkins as a congressional candidate, and a slew of GOP politicians and hopefuls. As these types of gatherings swell and repeat, a grander strategy is materializing to make the satanic panic politically useful, a push to get involved in local politics, fueled by Steve Bannon and other MAGA fixers. From school boards to state offices to mayoral races, QAnon has become the secret handshake that binds the conspiracy-fueled uprising on the religious far right. But before all that, QAnon News. Now, here at uh, QAnon Anonymous, we are a serious media outlet, and we're definitely not three dudes with poorly managed ADD, which has stunted our maturity and thrust us into a national conversation about technology, mental health, extremism, high-level corruption, and political manipulation. For that reason, we don't talk about every single thing that former 8-Coon administrator Ron Watkins does. For example, we didn't talk about Watkins's uh, short-lived UFO leaks project. We also didn't talk about the time he tried to sell NFTs of screenshots of Trump retweets of Ron's tweets. We also didn't talk about his attempts to pressure Arizona Attorney General Mark Brunovich to file charges related to a supposed election fraud by repeatedly visiting the Attorney General's office. We didn't talk about him putting his foot in a bucket and slipping down the stairs and hitting his head on every single step on the way down. Now, I was aware that he was like doing these things, but I, I didn't really think it was worth bringing up because honestly, who gives a shit? He's just he's just creating noise. He's just doing things. Mm-hmm. I don't need to like, you know, play along. But now Ron has really done it because he has announced that he is running for Congress. Of course, very, very good job. That, of course, made himself impossible to ignore. Ron made this announcement in a video posted on his Telegram channel. After attending a recent sermon by Pastor Jeff Durbin of Apologia Church, I've come to realize that following God's word is not always the easiest route. But if we don't follow our beliefs and the founding principles of our nation, it will crumble. This must stop now. Therefore, I have decided to double down with God as my compass to take this fight to the swamp of Washington, D.C. I am here to formally announce my run for Congress in Arizona District Number 1. Our fight has only just begun. Good stuff. That's Ron Watkins trying to sound like he's motivated by principles or values and not just a black-hearted nihilist. Or motivated at all. He has, there's really like absolutely nothing uplifting or exciting (laughs) in his voice at any point, uh, even when he tries. Yeah. This decision played out exactly like Ron wanted it to, earning him an interview with CNN, Politico, CBS News, and other outlets. And uh, like any good troll, he used the opportunity to spread just the absolute dumbest bullshit that can be found online, such as the claim that the election was fraudulent and then Trump is the rightful president. Mark Brunovich, for his part, released a video of himself swinging nunchucks. Now, nice. I don't know if this is at all related to Ron Watkins and uh, the, 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 the pestering that Ron has done in his office, but it is something that did, in fact, happen on Twitter. 
It's Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich. We've gotten a lot of calls, a lot of emails, but there's one thing people definitely want to see. They want to see more Chucks. So people, you want more Chucks? Okay, he's on a windy rooftop, squinting, <laughs> terrified of his own nunchucks as he does it, like a child. And he smacks himself pretty good at least once. <laughs> That's the funniest part. Is his, you can tell in his facial reactions <laughs> that at any moment he's worried that the chucks might spin out of control and bash him in the face. As one is when you're uh, you yeah. know, a little bit underqualified, playing with some real nunchucks and not just yeah. a jump rope that you shortened. Uh, you know, for pretend purposes. Yeah, I don't remember Michelangelo squinting uh, in every battle scene in the Ninja Turtles, okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't 100% know what exactly called this on, but this is apparently a callback to uh, a video he made in 2019 in which he used nunchucks to celebrate the decriminalization of martial arts weapons, but he brought the nunchucks out again wearing the suit on this windy roof. Just broadly, just more politically involved people need to use weapons like nunchucks at the highest speed possible. I think we'd have a lot less consciousness, like a lot less hours of the day that they were not lying down from being (laughs) beaten unconscious by themselves. And that would in turn have them do less damage in America. What do you think? You have my vote, Julian. QAnon Double Conference Weekend. Years ago, in-person events related to QAnon were rare, free, organized by dedicated amateurs, and attended by maybe dozens of people. But it seems that the election of President Biden has done wonders for the QAnon event economy. Now QAnon conferences are multi-day affairs with food, music, professional lighting, surprise guests, and they cost hundreds or even thousands of dollars per ticket. This past week, there were two QAnon-connected conferences. First, in Salt Lake City, Utah, there was the two-day We Can Act Liberty Conference. In Las Vegas, Nevada, there was the four-day For God and Country Patriot Double Down event. Now, the second one was the more explicitly QAnon event, and this was organized by a man who goes by the name QAnon John. QAnon John also organized a QAnon event in Dallas, from which I was blackballed from attending and reporter Will Sommer was kicked out of. Both conferences featured impressive lineups of conspiracist influencers, right-wing activists, patriot pastors, and the occasional retired general. Let's start with the We Can Act Liberty Conference in Utah, since that's the one that featured General Flynn. This conference was organized by Clay Clark. Now, Clay Clark is an entrepreneur, author, and business podcaster who turned his attention to vaccine conspiracies as the pandemic ramped up. This past year, he organized the Reawaken America Tour, a conference that went from city to city spreading misinformation about health and election fraud. Most of the speakers at this conference, which I watch, offered the same kind of mind-numbing COVID denialism and election lies I've heard a thousand times before. But I did hear something relatively new in the form of one of the speakers, actress Vicki O'Brien. She was there to push her company, Relevant Entertainment, a film production company that aims to produce non-satanic entertainment. (laughs) Most of Vicki O'Brien's speech was about her competitor, Hollywood, and satanic influence over children. In order to marshal evidence in favor of this satanic influence, O'Brien talked about Walt Disney and her belief that he was a 33-degree level Freemason. 
Here we go. In order to understand Disney, you have to understand who Walt Disney was. You see, he was a 33rd degree Freemason. Friends, understand that in the world of Freemasonry, the number three is important. The multiples of three are even more important. And contrary to what some people may say, they are not just a secret society of good men whose purpose is to raise money for charity. That is a front for who and what they really are. Do you know what they really are? Yes, they are. They are a Luciferian occult that deals in witchcraft, mind control, and more. Good witchcraft, stuff. mind control, and more. <laughs> Tell us what else. Good stuff. Old school stuff. Now, I checked on this claim. Apparently, the truth is that Walt Disney was a member of an organization called Order of Demolay when he was a young man, which is an international fraternal organization sponsored by the Freemasons for young men ages 12 to 21. Mm -hmm. However, I, I searched through a few Disney biographies, and I wasn't able to find any evidence that he was a Freemason at all in adulthood let alone a 33-degree level Freemason. Disappointing. Yeah. Usually Freemasons, when they were like like a prominent, famous person is a Freemason, they brag about this. This claim can't be found anywhere in the Freemasonry. I guess we're just waiting to find out who will be the Thurlow weed of our era. I guess so. It's also really funny, like watching this clip, it reminds me of when we went to the QAnon alien conference where they were like, okay, in order to understand this, you need to understand this. And then a fucking crazy ass graph comes up on the screen <laughs> with like things circled, things highlighted. It's like small or large conference. The content is the same. Now, despite the fact that the premise of this claim isn't true, she goes on to promote the myth that the Club 33 restaurant at Disney Resorts is a nod to Freemasonry. Or how many of you are familiar with Club 33 at the Walt Disney World Resorts? Okay, I see a few hands. If you're not, remember I said the number three and multiples of three are important in the world of Freemasonry? Do some research. Just, just baking. Endless baking. Bake the world. Now, it's worth noting that Disney is, in fact, evil, but only because they use their endless resources to buy up massive amounts of intellectual property and then ruthlessly defend that IP through litigation. Vicki O'Brien also sets her sights on television shows. She, for example, has issues with the gritty reboot of Archie, uh, the show Lucifer, and uh, the Netflix horror comedy The Santa Clarita Diet. The guy used to love to eat the hamburgers. He's eating the ass in this one. Or what about Riverdale? That is a long way from the Archie comic series, but that's what it's based off of. Did you know that, yep, there's a show that glorifies Satan himself, even named after him. How many of you knew there was a remake for Sabrina the Teenage Witch? And it's much darker, folks. And by the way, there's no such thing as a good witch. They're all evil. Oh, take a look at this doozy. Who's heard of the Santa Clarita diet? A, a few people, but not a lot. <clears throat> this is a show about a suburban mom and housewife who is a cannibal. Adrenochrome is real, folks. Yep, yep, there it is. Good stuff. Her online is just the selection screen in Netflix. <laughs> She's just going from <laughs> tile to tile doing in-depth research. Oh, man, I just think it's like it's 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 insane that we have to, like, contend with people who are concerned about what is or is not satanic in 2021. Yeah, we all know what's satanic is that all entertainment has been hollowed out and feels like a paint by numbers that we're being led through uh, in an unending series of reboots. Now, I also heard something interesting from a singer at the event who is a different O'Brien. This is Lori O'Brien. Uh, the singer talked about how the Great Awakening was ascending into 5D. I want to talk about something beautiful right now. The Great Awakening. You know, I, I, as I and as I'm sure you have been listening to so many different videos and podcasts and you hear the words 3D, 4D, 5D, I'd like to give you my interpretation of what that is. 
To me, 3D is the normies, the clueless, and we all were there. And then the 4D, we rise up into an awakening. We realize what's going on. We realize the evil and the good and the war and the battle that we're in. And then there's the 5D, to me, is the great awakening. Of course, the keynote speaker of the day was General Michael Flynn. Uh, He opened his speech by getting mad at Kamala Harris' tweets. He pointed out a few tweets in which Harris advocated for paper ballots, which he claimed were deleted. They're they're not deleted, by the way. They're they're still they're still on her on her Twitter feed. Before I do that, I want to show you. Somebody just sent me a, a couple of old screenshots. They're not on Twitter anymore. They took them off. But you know the way digital soldiers operate, they're able to find out a lot of things. Again, not true. <laughs> not digital soldiers. Just just you can find them right now. They're just tweets that advocate for paper ballots. And I have to say, after the weird clusterfuck we just endured, I'm in favor of making the election system as analog and as simple as humanly possible, yeah. as verifiable, so we don't have to deal with bizarre conspiracy theories about servers and connections or whatever in order to verify the legitimacy of the election. Even if it all went to paper, they would say, oh, Travis, oh, they're using invisible ink, uh, <laughs> right. the, the invisible right. ink of the- They'll of do Sharpie Gate or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. There's always- it doesn't matter. It could be your your thumbprint, uh, and then you think who you're voting for, and the machine picks up your inner thoughts, and people would be like, oh, well, the uh, because I watched M. Night Shyamalan's old, uh, I, was, I was programmed to think of the wrong candidate, and it's Netflix, and right. it's just, we're, we're done. Now, after this, the tone became much more somber. Flynn brought up to the stage a man named Darren Hoover, who is the father of Staff Sergeant Hoover. And Staff Sergeant Hoover is one of the 13 service members who died in a reported suicide attack on the Kabul airport during the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I'm not going to share most of his speech, but I will say it was very moving, which is what you'd expect. But after he shared this this outpouring of grief that just, like, devastated the room. Darren Hoover then started to claim that the government is lying about the circumstances of his son's death. Specifically, he claims, contrary to reporting on the matter, that the service members who were killed that day were actually killed with American weapons that were left behind during the evacuation. I debated whether or not to even talk about this or share the clip, but I, I feel as though as if this is going to be a conspiracy theory that may become popular in the near future. So I, I think it's worth at least addressing. This didn't need to happen the way that it did. It did not have to happen. And they, the 13, just so you guys know, and it'll be coming out, the storm's coming, the 13 all had open caskets. From a bomb blast? No, we're being lied to. We know that. We are being lied to. We have been lied to. Those weapons that we left behind were used against our kids. Okay? So be ready. Be willing and able to stand up and to fight. In order to take this country back, we have to have young men and young women that are willing to sign on that dotted line that the general talked about, up to and including their lives. Kids shouldn't, or dads, Parents, moms shouldn't have to bury their children, but we've had to. No more. 
no more. Take this country back, please. Yeah, horrifying stuff. But um, I think there are a few important things to note here. At least 183 people were killed in the attack on the Kabul airport on August 26, including 170 Afghan civilians and the 13 members of the U.S. military. The attack was reportedly carried out by ISIS-K, which claimed responsibility and named the bomber as Abdur Rahman al-Logari. U.S. officials said that gunmen opened fire into the crowd after the explosion and U.S. troops returned fire. But according to several reporters, such as Nabi Bulos for the Los Angeles Times, eyewitnesses attribute at least some of the gunfire into the crowd and consequent deaths after the explosion to panic by U.S. soldiers. But that is an extremely different claim than suggesting that there wasn't an explosion and all 13 service members died from U.S. weapons left behind which I feel would have been noticed or remarked on by some of the many eyewitnesses of the giant public event. Now, it's obviously within the realm of possibility that the military would lie or cover up about the circumstances of the death of service members. You could point to the example of Pat Tillman, where the military initially claimed that he died in the line of uh, enemy fire, but it was eventually revealed that he died due to friendly fire. So I can't say that these kinds of claims should be dismissed out of hand, but I also think it's worth considering the other possibility, which is that General Flynn has no real interest in exposing a cover-up and is instead exploiting this father's grief in order to deepen radicalization among people who listen to him. As Flynn goes on, he emphasizes the need for local action, which, of course, a trend that this entire year, local action makes a national impact, repeating this over and over and over again, and reveals that he gets his news from friends and, worst of all, podcasters. You know, I do use this phrase, local action, national impact, local action, national impact. And you see all these, if you know, for those of you that are really deep into the social media world and you watch things, because I don't even watch, I don't watch TV anymore. I don't. What I do is I go look for people that I trust. I go look for these podcasters or, or radio shows or people that I just know out there. And I have a great network of people that will feed me good information. There's the problem right there. I know. This is, this is how you make the claim that there's vaccine in the salad dressing, you know? This is a sealed-off boomer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who... Already was problematic, even when he was, you know, even when he was serving years ago under Barack Obama. He's sealed himself off from all information wells, and he's just being fed whatever shit, you know, the people that he agrees with are sending him. Flynn, of course, claimed that Trump won the election, and he also left open the possibility that the election would be overturned, which, again, I have to emphasize, cannot happen in a legal way. There just is not a constitutional mechanism to reverse the results of the election. So Flynn is just filling the the heads of his followers with false nonsense hope that exists in a different dimension than the one that we live in. We're done beating ourselves up about this last election where where we, you know, people are still, well, did, you know, did it, was there fraud? Was there not fraud? No, there was incredible levels of fraud. Donald Trump won the election. So when people go and they start talking about the election, you know, and, and, and all the nuts out there, all the media, all the mainstream media are going to go, oh, Flynn's out there, conspiracy theory. You know, I'll give him the Italian salute. As you saw in one of the videos today, you know, Trump, like, and Trump is the type of guy, he says, leave it all out on the field. If it was a fair game and I got beat, 
salute and walk away. It wasn't a fair game. Not fair. And so now we have a really strange thing in this country right now. And, and I know, I know, people in this audience, and I know people around this country are kind of going, okay, so what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Is it going to get overturned? You know, I mean, my answer to you is I don't know. I don't know. We've never been here before. So every single day is a new day. Really, really hate this shit because it just drives home that we will never have a sort of a universally recognized as legitimate election ever again. Well, we're oh, just, yeah. Yeah, just where people just feel like if people, you know, uh, feel like uh, they don't like the results, you're going to say, nope, not true. I don't believe it. It's illegitimate. Uh, and they'll make up legal routes to, um, you know, they'll, they'll make a lot of noise and they'll create bizarre audits and they'll hire, you know, firms connected to Ron Watkins to try and prove it. And it'll just be endless. And I, I really don't know what the end result is. It's, it's going to come to a head eventually. I just don't know when. Now, I'm not sure why Flynn opted to attend this event instead of the Patriot Double Down in Vegas. But I will say that Flynn's absence there made the $3,000 VIP tickets a lot less valuable. So I can, I can see people shelling out like three grand to talk to Flynn or Sidney Powell, but not so much to see a bunch of B-tier Q-tubers. The first speaker of the Patriot Double Down in Vegas is the owner of 8Kun himself, Jim Watkins. And he made a fashion statement by dressing in a red and white candy cane pattern jacket. During his speech, he referenced his son's congressional run in Mark Bronovich's Nunchuck video. Would you be so kind if you're from Arizona to go to Mark Bronovich's office yourself and let him know how you feel? And let him know that he ought to be, instead of working on nunchucks, which I take as a direct threat against my son, because my son's the only one there asking him to prosecute people, and he comes out with a nunchuck video looking like a doofus? What is this doofus here? Nunchucks, maybe, maybe he can hit someone in the head or himself in the head with that, but if we're all standing there... Ain't nobody going to get hit with nunchucks because he's going to run away. While Jim was griping about how difficult it is to find eight coon, he also gave a shout out to friend of the show, Mike Rothschild. You put an eight coon and you're going to come up with some uh, Rothschild's article or something from the Daily Burst or something. You know, it's a it's a you have to know it to get there. And you got to whisper it in someone's ear to get the URL to know where to go. But when you go there, don't whisper anymore. Speak it out. You know, it's important. Apparently, some of the merch that he brought to this event was Eight Coon Honey. Yeah. And this was apparently play on the claim that Eight Coon is a honeypot, mm -hmm. a, a place to sort of trap radicals and expose them to the FBI or whatever. Mm. Jim Watkins was followed by his son, Ron Watkins. Now, Ron Watkins mostly talked about his campaign, but he also took the time to gloat about his press coverage. So over the past week or so, two weeks, I've been interviewed by a lot of the mainstream media. I'm meeting the enemy. I'm going to them. And I'm telling them the truth. 
I'm telling them, you know, Trump won. He did win. And I'm telling them the election needs to be decertified. And you know, they're putting me on TV and they're saying that. <laughs> He's like, ha ha ha, ultimate troll. I know, I know. Yeah. This is what, this is what like kills me. He just revels in sort of making changes and <laughs> getting these big institutions to bend to his will. That's what he really, really loves. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, li- listen to the, the, the sort of his voice here. The, the when he's glee. Talking oh yeah. Uh, compared to when he was making his announcement for, for running for Congress. Oh, that was, that was just a vehicle to get to the moment where he's able to troll the media. Ron really liked talking about his media coverage. I've not asked for money. I've asked for zero money. I have not asked for donations. I've taken no donations. But what I have gotten was potentially millions of dollars worth of in-kind donations from the enemy. (laughs) CNN, CBS, uh, what else? Uh, Associated Press. Lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of news stations have been putting me on, both locally, internationally, internationally and nationally. I, I've got people from all around the world saying, hey, Ron, I saw you on CNN. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, it's dubbed? Oh. <laughs> cool. What the fuck? I know. Ron also discussed his NFT scheme, and of course, he said it was another way to drum up media attention. Yeah. In one day, Trump, President Trump, retweeted me four times. And... Uh, I am so happy that he retweeted the tweet where I said, please go peacefully. A few weeks, a few weeks ago, I, I made an NFT. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but the point, the point of that NFT was not to raise money. It was actually to get on the news and to get them to say that, yes, this was meant to be an event. And uh, the mainstream media put me on the news again, and they, they got it all over the place. So thank you again, uh, <laughs> the lying press. Because sometimes you tell the truth. So, yeah, I think, I mean, his scheme here is pretty transparent. So I, I, if, I, if I were to make any recommendation to the media journalists who, who have to cover this kind of stuff, it would be, first of all, don't. Don't if you can help it. Don't, don't cover this guy at all unless, it's, unless he's intersects with power in some sort of serious way. Obviously, if he's, if he's advising you know, someone influential, if he's talk, like he was talking to Sidney Powell and stuff and influencing her lawsuits, obviously you can't help it. You have to cover him in that case. But if you absolutely have to cover Ron Watkins, then you should make note of the fact that he was administrator of 8chan while it was the prime sort of board for white nationalists to post their manifestos before they went on a shooting spree. You should talk about Christchurch every time there's a report about Ron Watkins because he was in charge of that board when that happened. It was really unfortunate that that the that the CNN segment didn't do any background on him really. It was like they some people think he's cute. Great. Could be positive, yeah. could be negative, and that's it. They just moved on. It's like, great, okay, well, I guess this is just a congressional candidate then, pro-Trump, <laughs> who believes like what a third of the country believes, that the election was stolen or whatever. Fucking insanity. Ron Watkins also called himself a digital Rosa Parks and said that he wanted to get on the Twitter bus, which uh, some people suggest that he's mostly running for Congress. At least another reason he's running for Congress is to hopefully get his uh, Twitter account back, which, of course, he lost in the sort of the, the wave of bans that happened in the wake of January 6th. 
The next speaker of note was Dr. Stella Emanuel. Now, she's the doctor who gained some fame for spreading medical misinformation about the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine for treating COVID. In this speech, she offered more of the same, touting bogus miracle cures and fear-mongering about the vaccine. But of course, in her own personal style, she really kicked it up a notch because she suggested that the vaccine provides the mark of the beast in the Bible. Save he that has the mark, not only the mark, but the name of the beasts, not only the name, or the number of his name. You heard about Moderna vaccine having Luciferous, right? Does that sound like the name of the beast? You hear about Bill Gates putting together a tracking system with cryptocurrency that's going to be 0206060606. Does that sound like the number of the beast? You understand what I'm saying? You hear about the Congress about to pass the HR 060606. You know what I'm saying? The whole vaccine issue has a lot of 666 into it. That's the number of the beast. So those that have been vaccinated have been given the name and the number of the beast. It's not the mark yet. I do believe you can still be redeemed, but once you get to the mark, you would know that you're taking the mark because you pledge your allegiance to the devil and you'll be doomed forever. You know, we, sometimes we talk about like, you know, people claim that this is like a debunking show or whatever, or but like this isn't this is beyond debunking. It's like how do we say no, fact check the vaccine isn't satanic. Fact check isn't the mark of the beast because this is these people, they just live in this alternate reality. And for some reason, we're able we have to uh, contend. We have to dialogue with the with people who are who are making the health the general health of the country worse because they're worried about uh, getting the mark of the beast through this shot. But it gets worse than that, according to Dr. Stella Emanuel, because she claims that the vaccine can somehow lead to people being mind controlled. Again, this is no, it doesn't. I mean, is that is that a sufficient <laughs> rebut? You're doing great, Travis. I mean, it would be cool if it would true. It'd be cool if you could mind control someone by giving them a shot. That'd be awesome technology. Too. That's some sci-fi shit. Amazing. Yeah, we'd already be yeah. mind controlled. Yeah. They would have figured that out like after you know, I don't know, the first like bad flu season or something. If that was really, if that was really a thing. Here's what she said. They can give you false memories. They can give you false thoughts. So if you've been vaccinated. They have downloaded you and connect you to the Internet of Things. He said that at that time they were using caps. But right now they can program a cell and put in your body that will go there and pack. And that cell can receive transmission that will tell you what to do and you will do it. So they might just tell you that the devil is God and you will believe it because you will believe the false memories. So that is why those that have been vaccinated are very dangerous because they can be programmed. And some of them are already programmed. Do you realize that? The vaccinated people, it's like they change with the narrative. It's like, I'm like, hello, don't you see that there is something wrong with the way you're thinking right now? That's not the way you were thinking two months ago. And they just go with the narrative and they chant it. It's as if they are being programmed. The next speaker was a relatively fringe QAnon influencer named Juan O'Savin. He made a name for himself by pretending to have inside sources and posting long videos in which only his boots are visible. So you didn't see his face. I mean, rarely. Apparently, he sometimes made a mistake. You could sort of catch a glimpse of his face. But uh, he was he was uh, mostly anonymous. So some of his fans also believe that he is the living JFK Jr., much to the chagrin of Vincent Fusca, I suppose. The MC of this event, Andre Papa, even played into the idea that he's JFK Jr. by posting a side-by-side photo of O'Savin and JFK Jr. on his Facebook page. The caption was, could it be so? Again, this is the guy who was leading the event. It wasn't, it was very, very strange. 
the inclusion of Osavin was the source of some controversy, which is unsurprising because Q has repeatedly denied that JFK Jr. is alive in the few Q drops. In a Telegram post, the QAnon influencer known just as E said that uh, he had to withdraw his support from the conference because of his inclusion. E shared text messages with organizer QAnon John in which John appears to justify including 107 by saying, I have to pitch him because he will help sell tickets, which is really interesting because, I mean, it suggests to me that they had to include these fringe figures in order to boost their ticket sales. Now, nonetheless, this was this appearance was the first intentional face revealed by 107. And rather than looking like a New England aristocrat, 107 looked like he was ready for a rodeo, wearing a brown vest, jeans, boots, and a cowboy hat. When Osavin got to the stage, he congratulated the crowd for not being ashamed of being QAnon followers. It's not about, you know, you're having a much smaller show, you're a tighter get-together than was originally planned. But... You know what I know? I like it smaller. Right? You guys yeah. are the call. Yeah. You answered the call to be here. You kept the faith. You haven't given up. Never. You weren't afraid to be associated with the 17th letter of the alphabet. Big response to that one, mm-hmm. but if I mean, if it says you weren't afraid to be associated, then why not say you weren't you weren't afraid to be associated with QAnon? It's like you're so brave, you're so brave, and then I'm still gonna speak in code for the thing we we all know we're here for. From here, Osavin got a little bit more serious when talking about the elite's plan for mass genocide. He discussed the Georgia Guidestones, and for those who aren't familiar, the Georgia Guidestones are a, a collection of large granite slabs that are erected in. Elbert County, Georgia in 1980. These slabs are inscribed with 10 phrases in multiple languages, including, quote, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Now, the fact that the people who commissioned this strange monument are anonymous, plus the fact that the monument seems to call for depopulation, have unsurprisingly made the monument a point of interest for conspiracy theorists. Now, I'm not going to deny that this is a weird thing. I'm not sure why it exists, but uh, here is what 107 had to say about it. And so you might not go along with depopulating the world, which is their plan, down to a half a million. That's the Georgia Guidestones, half a billion, excuse me. You might not go along with the process they have in mind to depopulate the world. Why? Because they want to do it by freezing you out, cutting off the fuel to you. Uh, starving you out, cutting off the food supply, GMO food that screws up your system, medical care that isn't actually care to keep you, it's care to get rid of you. Everywhere you look in society, we're being, uh, we're being set up for the big kill. All those people that have been planning this have been doing so not just for five, six, seven, eight, ten years, not even for 20, 30 years. This goes all the way back to the time of the garden. So there was a plan ever since the beginning of humanity to kill everyone from presumably Satan. So let me get this straight. So Satan, the fallen angel, Mm -hmm. and he's like, 
I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back at God for kicking me out of the playground. And I'm going to wait till 2021. Yeah, that's right. He's a patient man. To do it. Or angel, as the case is. Day two of the event started with a church service full of more COVID conspiracies. One of the speakers was Corey Griffin of the organization Cowboys for Trump. Griffin happened to be one of the people who participated in the January 6th raid on the Capitol, and he sounded surprisingly bitter about Trump's failure to defend people who are being prosecuted for their participation in that event. They just don't take your constitutional rights. They take your basic human rights away from you, unfortunately. I wish that, I wish that we could have a stronger message from our president. Um, I go, I went to CPAC, I've been to some events where the president has spoken at recently, and, and I know the president, I've been in the Oval Office. I've sat down just me and him at the Resolute Desk in the Oval Office. I've spoken to the president numerous times on the phone. The president damn sure does know who Coy Griffin and Cowboys for Trump is. He hasn't been really, he hasn't really mentioned it a lot lately, and it's really disappointing that he hasn't. Because I went a long mile for President Trump campaigning for him. I, I held the line, and I'm still holding the line right now. And I wish that President Trump could say a few words from the top about the injustices of January 6th. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Megyn Kelly has done more to shed light on January 6th than Donald Trump has. And that's not a swipe against the president. I still support the president. But we should always expect more from our leaders. Amen. Griffin also noted that despite Trump's promises, Hillary Clinton was a free woman at the end of his presidency. But we supported President Trump because of his fight for justice as well. And for four years, we cried, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. We know she's a criminal. What did the president tell us? If I was president, if I was in charge of the law, you'd be in jail. Okay, Mr. President, you were in charge of the law for four years. At the end of your four-year time, the only ones that were locked up were men like me and others like me that had stood by the president the strongest. We need to have justice. We gotta have a day of justice. We have to have, amen. We have to have our military those that are that are still sound and still serve on a platform of dignity and honor, we need them to stand up. We need the FBI that has information from that day, January 6th particular. We need them to stand up. It's time to clean out the hog pen. It's time to get to the very bottom of the muck. I love this clip because he goes on a journey. He goes like, hey, we said lock her up, lock her up, and it didn't happen, but it needs to happen. It better happen. I expect it to happen. Like, he just can't let it go. He can't yeah. let go of this fantasy that the, the people in the federal government agencies are going to swoop in and save the day and do a mass arrest. They can't give up that hope. It's just too much for them. The next speaker joining by Skype is, I, I believe, the most boiled brained ex-general alive, a, a title for which there is healthy competition. <laughs> and I am, of course, speaking of the 84-year-old General McInerney. He claimed to the crowd that the pandemic was a deliberate bioweapon created by China. And like we discussed on the lab leak hypothesis episode, there's really not a firm answer on whether or not the virus was the product of a zoonotic spillover or a uh, accidental lab leak. But there's no evidence that it was a deliberately engineered bioweapon. 
And why would you, I, it doesn't seem to make sense to me personally. Why would you unleash a deliberate bioweapon inside your own country and infect your own people first? Here's what he said. COVID-19 was a deliberate biological attack on the world. There's no question about it by China. If you think that it was an accident, you live in a different world. I live in a world that looks at the ideology, the doctrine of the Chinese Communist Party and their unrestricted warfare considers number one biological <laughs> to cyber warfare. The election in 2020, November 3rd, was a massive cyber warfare attack on our election system. I predicted it on the 2nd of November on the Steve Bannon show with Sidney Powell as the co-anchor. All the best pundits. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> General McInerney then started listing a bunch of things that were bothering him, like one after the other, just sort of like, like, like he was listing symptoms to a doctor. One of them included social media censorship, though he said he personally didn't care as he himself didn't use social media. Next, we got a major problem with uh, our freedoms, our ability to talk. The tech companies, big tech, will say whether we can go on Twitter or uh, Facebook or whatever. I don't do the social media, so it doesn't bother me. But they put limits to include on our president of the United States. Another speaker that day was Red Pill 78, a.k.a. Zach Payne. And Zach Payne referenced something that had erupted on Twitter very recently is that uh, Amanda, who is a woman who appeared on a couple of our live streams and uh, we've been you know, talking to for quite a while. She revealed that she has been pretty integrated into the QAnon MAGA crowd for the past year or so. And, whoa, I mean, it was it was shocking when it was like revealed on Twitter. But, man, I was surprised to see it referenced like on the stage at the QAnon conference so openly. Um, I don't know how many of you are still on Twitter, but it came out last night that there has been this woman who self-identifies as a communist who has been secretly infiltrating patriot groups for like the last year. And her name is Amanda. There's a pretty good chance you might have spoken to her at one of these events. Um, she was in Tampa at Clay Clark's event. I was there to interview people, and she was actually in the media room. And I came in, and she asked me to take a picture. Lisa actually took the picture. And I remembered her because she had um, an interesting look. She was strangely exuberant. Um, but uh, she was also in Dallas, and she was trying to be here. But luckily, someone or some people figured out who she was and exposed her and it forced her to reveal herself. I've actually been looking for her for some time, uh, trying to figure out who she was. Strangely exuberant. <laughs> <laughs> After this, 107 again took to the stage to introduce a producer for the upcoming film Sound of Freedom. Mm -hmm. And for those who aren't aware, Sound of Freedom is based on the story of Tim Ballard, who founded the Q-friendly organization Operation underground railroad operation underground railroad purports to fight human trafficking but according to reporting from vice news they have repeatedly exaggerated their involvement in rescue operations in october 2020 the attorney's office of davis county utah stated that operation underground railroad and tim ballard were under criminal investigation regarding complaints that the organization had conducted illegal fundraising efforts by fabricating rescues that never took place and laundering donor money into ballard's for-profit businesses so that stuff obviously doesn't make into the movie, I'm willing to bet. But I'll bet the adrenochrome farms do. After a trailer for the film was shown, a very special guest was introduced. 
none other than star of the film, actor Jim Caviezel. Yep. We've done an episode of him. It was one of the most popular episodes ever uh, because he has himself a reference adrenochrome at a different Clay Clark Health and Freedom Conference thing. But man, I didn't think he would go straight to the explicitly QAnon conference. I did not expect to have Juan Osaven on stage for like minutes on end, basically like working people up about how cool this is and asking everybody to put their phone on airplane mode. That's right. His appearance was really hyped up. He was always like, I want you to put your phones away, put it in airplane mode, because this will be a historic moment. I don't know if it's historic, but certainly notable. Yeah, for QAnon, I mean, this is the biggest celebrity they've got. Yeah, really. Definitely. I mean, yep. Yeah, it's a huge get. It's a big get. I mean, you would think that Roseanne would be a big get, but she kind of faded out, and, you know, she has too many liberal connections. But Caviezel, I mean, the, he played Jesus, you know? You're he, right. He got fucking struck by lightning uh, while, you know, filming this movie. I mean, he is exactly the kind of mythological sort of hero uh, that they've, you know, that they really needed. And I'm sure that he sees that, too. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I am. I would love to just... Maybe we can get to the point where Mel Gibson himself speaks at a QAnon conference. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's that's next. I feel like we're getting there. Oh, God. At this conference, Caviezel talked about his decision to become an actor as a young man. And when he was talking, he seemed to confirm some of our reporting about him. I remember being 19 years old, sitting in a theater in Mount Vernon, Washington. The movie had ended and out there in the darkness, befriended only by my basketball in the adjacent seat, I had this sensation in my heart. That made me think that I'm supposed to be an actor. It was a deep awareness of my vocation. So reluctantly, I went forward. My rational sense intervened. I knew nothing about acting, no agents, no managers. Hell, I can't even memorize to save my life. Yet I had this conviction, this charge that directed me towards becoming an actor and has directed me ever since. From here, Caviezel started reciting a slightly modified version of then-Governor Ronald Reagan's famous 1964 speech, A Time for Choosing. Now, at the time, Reagan delivered the speech in support of Republican presidential candidate Barry Goldwater. But in Caviezel's version, he has some religious elements, making it about spiritual warfare. For example, where Reagan condemns his liberal friends, Caviezel condemns his Christian liberal friends. And where Reagan talks about Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev, Caviezel instead talks about the devil. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends refuse to face. Our priests, our pastors, and now, sadly, even our Pope. That his policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war. Only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told his own, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war. And someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, 
Our surrender will be voluntary because you see by them we will have been so weakened from within, spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price. Oh dear, this is bad. Yeah. He is, inc- I mean, no problem memorizing that, I see. He didn't look at the page once. Mm. What I think is the most frightening thing here is that this is the best speaker that QAnon has ever had. Yes, of course. He's an actor. He's an actor. He, he, can, he, he is delivering, I mean. Yeah, he can communicate passion in the way that no other speaker can uh, at this conference. No good. Yeah. No good. Now, after delivering the slightly modified Reagan speech, Caviezel then read a slightly modified version of the motivational speech from the film Braveheart. I'm telling you, Jake, it's coming. It's coming. It's got to be coming. This has to be the QAnon Anonymous singularity. If it happens, it's over, boys. It's over. It's over for real. Freedom from the slavery that sin makes out of all of us. That is the freedom that is worth dying for. Kind of reminds me of the words that Mel Gibson first intoned in his Academy Award-winning film Braveheart when he said to his ragtag army, and I say to you tonight, I see before me a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? This man says no, we'll run and we'll live. Yep, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live for at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you have been willing to trade all the years from this day to that for one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that you can take our lives, that you can never take our freedom. Every man dies. Not every man truly lives. You, 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 we must fight for that authentic freedom and live, my friends. By God, we must live. And with the Holy Spirit as your shield and Christ as your sword, may you join St. Michael and all the angels in defending God and sending Lucifer and his henchmen straight right back to hell where they belong. This is all they really want. They just want to be in the Braveheart scene. (laughs) You know, they just want to be on a battlefield. This is all they, he's giving them exactly what they want. He's doing, he's doing a, uh, an eerily uh, good job. You know what rocks is that so far he's accused essentially the Russians of being Satan and then now the English of being Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Also, keep in mind, I mean, uh, in regards to Gibson, I mean, these guys are filming Passion of the Christ, too. I don't know if it's already been filmed or or what, but but they're they're working together. I mean, it is just a matter of time before Caviezel pills Gibson on maybe some of the even darker shit. And we know that Gibson doesn't is not going to have a problem with you know with any of it based on what he already thinks about the jews so um this is i i think our singularity is right. is closer at hand than, i could see i could see i could see gibson going full ghost ezra you know like, yeah you know, yes. anti-semite i also hear you know that uh clouds are gathering above the set and uh thunderstorms are potentially going to be involved <laughs> in the filming again so we can only hope <laughs> Cavizio concluded his speech by throwing some red meat for the QAnon crowd. We are headed into the storm of all storms. Yes, the storm is upon us. 
<sighs> yeah, so terrible. Yeah. But what better way to advertise his fucking movie? Yeah, good point. You know point. what I mean? Is, is right. like, as, a, as a marketing strategy, he mm-hmm. knows his core audience. No one has tried My Movie is the Storm. That's a good <laughs> marketing pitch. Hmm. When is his movie supposed to come out? Does, that, does anybody Next year. know? Next year? Yep. I have to see it. Oh, of course. We're going to have to see it. Going to be another great year, boys. I wonder how bad it's going to be. I wonder if they're just going to make the QAnon movie, like the QAnon movie. No, yeah, that's that's it. You're just a team of special operators just just descending into the adrenochrome farm. Yeah, and yeah, shooting the bad guys in the head and rescuing the children. You know what? I'm I'm moving my my opinion on this. I think they might, but I think they'll put it. Uh, in the dreams of the character. Like, the character will dream of the underground adrenochrome stuff. Mm, I don't think so. It won't happen, but, but I don't know, it would be an easy way to get the Christians on board that are into this kind of stuff, no. but also have plausible deniability. No? You think they're going full? I we'll think, see. I will bet, Julian, I will bet you one dollar that Christ, there is man. a scene where Caviezel like busts open a door yeah. and there are like children hooked up to um like you know sort of like what look yeah. like standing IV units or whatever mm-hmm. like in beds decrepit and he's like mm-hmm. oh my god the fu- I I guarantee you they will have it won't be like this kind of like Legends of the Hidden Temple kind of set where it's like there's satanic statues and they won't go that far, but it'll be like adrenochrome as if interpreted by the Taken writers. That's that's my prediction. If I get this correctly, you are one dollar certain of this. I am one dollar. I don't like to bet. Um, I don't like to bet money against my friends. But do you like to vape while you record a podcast? No. <laughs> okay. No. I'll take the bet. Unquestionably, Caviezel's appearance was the highlight of the conference. He got the biggest reaction. He was the best speaker. He was he was the biggest star. It was wild. On day three of the conference, there was a guest that even caught me by surprise. And I'll let MC Andre Papa uh, introduce him for you. Whew. You ready for the next one? Oh, you guys ready? Who's a patriot? Who's a patriot? Video. We don't have one. Welcome to the stage, the one and only superstar, man incognito. Nothing that you've seen before in your life. The one and only, Vincent Fusca. Vincent Fusca coming out to the killers. That's right. Ah! Shaking his fist. The... It just it just rocks that we're finally there. Their brains have finally made space for two different JFK Jr. <laughs> pretenders to be at this one event. <laughs> we got competing JFK Juniors. <laughs> competing JFK Juniors. When even their own their own uh, you know commander Q has has explicitly said, said no. That, this no, is bullshit. This is and bullshit. then also on top of that, Jordan Sather he actually he left the event early and did not speak. Because of 107, and be like, oh, I don't want to be associated with this. Oh, so, mm-hmm. so, so, is even alienating some other QAnon influencers? Who cares? Let's have a fucking election. Let's elect a JFK Jr. We need to elect a JFK Jr. and have <laughs> elections every year. We can even have those vote of non confidences if we need to. 
Jordan I, Jordan is is he picked the losing team of the the more uh, I guess quote unquote thoughtful uh, QAnon follower. The, but this is more fun. This is what they want. They want two competing champs. They want it to be fucking wrestling. It's right. wrestling. That's what that's what they want. And this can is I, where we're this is where we're heading. Can I offer a different perspective on uh, Jordan no. Sather and his departure? No. He actually was scared, uh, and obviously saying he's not scared of. Nino Rodriguez, an actual ex-boxer who said he would kick his ass if he saw him. No, that's right. (laughs) All of it over what they are calling, yeah, fake news or clickbait, as as Jordan Sather loves to put it. So there is enough rifts now where fistfights might break out at QAnon events, and we have competing JFK Juniors. This is is beautiful. Vincent Fusca then started giving a talk, which by itself is insane. So I want you to reflect upon the fact that the only reason this man became, like, famous, even in the sort of this little community, is because QAnon boomers noticed that he was appearing at multiple Trump events, and then their decaying minds started thinking that he was JFK Jr., who died in 1999. So his fame is entirely the product of delusional psychosis. That's not a good enough reason to hear what he has to say, I don't think. Mm. But uh, he spoke anyway, and in his speech, he offered an incoherent metaphor about how voting is like a coin or something. We have a coin. We were raised that that coin, you flip it, heads or tails. But that coin has changed. With my thoughts, that coin is not heads or tails anymore. That coin is vote and freedom. You flip it, both sides represent America. The vote and freedom. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to melt that coin, turn it into something else. But we're not, le- we're not going to let them, right? We're not going to let them. We got to protect that vote. The vote is the foundation of our republic. I'm not an attorney, but I know my history and I love this nation. And we know that everything is based on the vote. You flip it over and you have freedom. You flip it over, you have the vote. And that's why we were down DC marching. We were marching for that vote. We want that vote to be straightened out. Insane. Makes zero sense. Yeah, it makes zero sense. But again, I don't understand. It's it's so weird. Just people uh, online, they're just who they started overlaying his face with JFK Jr.'s and then he decided to play along. And then now he's speaking on the stage like nothing about this should be happening. There's a whole part where Vincent Fusca looks like he has Sonny Borelli hostage on stage as he grimaces while... Vincent Fusca associates him with various things that the other guy's embarrassed by. It is an exercise in uh, visual language. Definitely worth a, a peek. The conference concluded with a Q&A session with some of the speakers. Of course, the panel was asked what they thought of the whole JFK Jr. situation. Now, while answering, they spread some strange misinformation, such as the claim that John Podesta was responsible for finding JFK Jr.'s downed plane. Now, uh, Podesta was President Clinton's chief of staff when JFK Jr. died, but he obviously was not in charge of the operation to retrieve no, the plane. He was an explorer. He was a Jake character. He was out there <laughs> doing archaeology, looking out for the lost planes. Looking for planes. <laughs> How much energy have we wasted on JFK and JFK Jr. when we could have been doing something different? Right? That, and, and that's just my personal thing, because at the end of the day, yeah, it's a good, I, it's so possible. It'd be so cool. It makes so much sense, right? I, I think he is. I, it could be, 
right? I'm not saying who someone is, but I think it's very possible he is. But what I notice is all the infighting in the post and all the disagreement and all the division over it, right? So at the end of the day, does it really fucking matter? Yeah. And I'll add to this really quick. Um, I think it's a fun thing to think about, right? Uh, you know, I've, I've looked into JFK Jr. in the 90s and he certainly was not quiet about what he thought about the Clintons and the deep state. And he even published books with the Clinton body count in them. And, you know, he was he was talking about possibly going for that seat in New York Hillary. that Hillary Clinton did go for. So it is very possible that he could have gotten word that he was in danger and went off and went on the lam. You never know. I, I think it's a fun theory. I also think uh, if he comes out, he comes out. If not, then as far as I'm concerned, he has unfortunately died in that plane crash. Which, by the way, the people who were in charge of that, finding that plane crash, was John Podesta. Interesting. That is an ad lib. Like, And also, <laughs> why do you think they have confusion? You are bringing them on stage with literal hype men, kind of hyping up their secret identities. And you're like, why is everyone in the audience fighting? Okay? <laughs> are you saying that not both of these men are JFK Jr.? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, it's so fucking stupid. They brought up two JFK Juniors. They're like, oh, listen, this is a stupid thing. You think about it, but like, we shouldn't talk about it at all. You should, you should bring the 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 JFK Juniors of the internet. There was a, a debrief session where they were like, okay, okay, next time, guys, first big mistake, don't bring both of the JFK Juniors, okay? Just one. It's a great party trick, but we're fucking ourselves here. They just need to they need to work that storyline into like the 5D thing that like because the timelines are converging, there are actually two JFK juniors that exist at once. All right. <laughs> and yes. It's like the fucking Marvel like metaverse or multiverse or whatever. And that because like Trump, you know, uh, you know, is in control of quantum and time travel and the, mm -hmm. you know, the realities are blending that we have in this reality actually ended up with two. Two JFK juniors both look like hobos. Okay, Fusca is literally barely able to form a coherent sentence, and the other one was drunk. There was <laughs> footage of him being kind of interviewed about his book afterwards by just a fan, and he was just wasted. Would you like to know the name of the fan? Yes. Tommy Numbers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and Juan Osaven is like... I, he's years drunk. Like, he's clearly years <laughs> drunk. Like, most of the JFK Jr. on his face is just alcohol that has, re like, become resin. He's a <laughs> oh, my God. This is so melted and decrepit now. It's like... It rocks. It's like this is what happens when the, when the QAnon community, their leader has left them, and they're just kind of left to their own devices to sort of, like, carry on the torch. It's just an absolute smorgasbord of, like, melted, sticky popsicle, you know? But it is, it is also just like a, a classic comedy snafu. God damn it. We got two Spider-Man impersonators at the same fucking party. <laughs> I now, I think one of the more newsworthy sort of events that happened from this conference also happened on day three. And we saw a speech from Nevada Secretary of State candidate Jim Marchant. And he said something I thought was insane, which is that he was working with Juan O'Savin on a building a sort of coalition to, uh, to elect secretaries of state. And here's what he said. November 4th, I went to work. I got a suite in the Venetian Hotel across the hall from the Trump attorneys and the Trump people that came in to start investigating the election fraud here in Nevada. <clears throat> and guess who showed up at my suite? 
to blow you away. You saw him Saturday. You saw him yesterday. 107. <laughs> For the next, gosh, months, three, five months, we worked on trying to expose the election, the fraudulent election. So right after the election, Juan showed up, a few others, a few others, President Trump allies. And I was going to run for Congress again. And they asked me, would you, instead of running for Congress again, would you run for Secretary of State of Nevada? And I said, absolutely. And I knew right then that they had figured out exactly what Harry Reid and George Soros figured out in 2004. We need to take back the secretaries of state offices around the country. So not only did they ask me to run, they asked me to put together a coalition of other like-minded secretary of state candidates. So I got to work, 107 help, and... We did. We, we formed a coalition. He would go on to say that uh, he was working with Mike Lindell, Patrick Byrne and Gateway Pundits Jim Hoff to recruit 2022 secretary of state candidates uh, throughout the country. And this is why this is like melting my brains. Like one of the JFK juniors is now involving himself in electoral politics to actually influence real world uh, elections. And I mean, the, the reason that they're targeting secretaries of state, because they're in charge of elections. So, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe possibly this country will be taken down by one of the JFK juniors. It's not going to be Fusca. He's too, his coin metaphor was too, was too <laughs> off. And, you know, I just don't think he can connect with the people. Maybe, you know, like sort of like aging boomer moms who think he's cute or whatever, but yeah, it seems like if it's going to come down to it, it's got to be JFK Jr. number two. <laughs> yeah, the drunker one. And also <laughs> think of the amazing one. long game. I mean, you know, you disappear, uh, you fake the crash, and here you are finally acceding to the political power denied to you by the Clinton Crime Foundation years ago. Years ago, long, long after they have no sort of uh, feasible power over the country. I've been waiting in a basement with 1,800 bottles of Jim Beam and biding my time. So, Travis, how was it getting double conferenced? <laughs> Double down. If yeah, you will. right. It was it was definitely unpleasant. It was my body was sore, <laughs> sitting in my in my computer chair all day long, just watching yeah. these maniacs brainwash me. Um, yeah, you know, but I think I think really the takeaway here is that again the JFK Jr. stuff and like used to be bizarre and fringe and rejected by Q himself. But at the same time, Q was getting weirder and fringier and more incoherent and boiled and baked. At the same time as QAnon stuff integrates itself into actual real-life electoral politics and real power within the GOP. So we have these two things going on. Well, there's a third thing. They're effectively giving you digital soldier bed sores. <laughs> It's really, really uh, stupid. It's just, it's, it's, it's just. We shouldn't have two JFK juniors. Should, I agree. You know what? I agree. It's a simple have. statement. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't have one JFK junior, honestly. Mm -hmm. But okay. just giving us two is is <laughs> is too much. And then having one of those JFK juniors being part of a coalition 
to uh, try and affect the outcome of elections for generations? <laughs> well, I asked for abundance mindset on this podcast, and I think we're generating great things uh, with right. our intentions. I think, you know, I think they're testing out their lead actors. You know, they're kind of, they're, you know, Flynn's doing well. They know that they know that he's a staple. Maybe Caviezel will now be in the mix. Maybe one of the JFK juniors can hit well. Like, let's see how they audience test uh, these these new influencers to see who sticks, who's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, you know, a big part of these conferences. Which of the cast of characters are going to get the the biggest reactions from the crowd that will then go out to uh, in inspire them to keep believing yeah. in this, to keep trying to pill their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Just wait until Jim Caviezel gets of the age where his knees ache all the time and he runs for Congress. Then we'll be talking. Oh, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he? He believes he's on a, like a righteous mission. You guys saw the emotion in his voice. I mean, it's terrifying. What if Tim Ballard played Congressman Jim Caviezel in his biopic? <laughs> it's a two-movie deal. It's a movie deal. It's at home and away. First, I will play you, Tim, uh, unearthing the adrenochrome farms beneath the Washington Capitol. And second, you will play me 30 years from now when I am senator. (laughs) I look forward to hearing the Braveheart speech entered into the congressional record. Dude, he had that Braveheart speech memorized. Mm -hmm. He also had the Reagan speech memorized. I guess he can memorize some things. It's just that if it's not extremism, it doesn't go in. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. Also, we have a first album now released on QAA Records. You can go to qaarecords.bandcamp.com to listen for free as many times as you want to Hikikomori Lake by Nick Senna. 12 tracks, and if you want to buy it, it's set at five bucks. So go and enjoy it. I'll put some music at the end of the episode as well so you can get a little taste, a little taste. But I'm sure you, you'll recognize some of these songs from being used in our soundtrack over the months. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. It helps us stay advertising free and editorially independent. And uh, for everything else, we have a website, qanonanonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the two JFK juniors <laughs> bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue.
a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth.